1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Nice play
2: by Quinn. scores! Oh, what a play by Quinn. To open the scoring in this game. He took
3: that all on his own shoulders and buried it.
2: Moment of the game from... uh... Saturday night? That was
4: the Quinn goal? I'm sorry, I wasn't yeah. paying attention. Oh, Quinn! beautiful play.
2: Yeah, you know, I he did made that. the
4: whole play.
2: He had bulletin board material from Paul Hamilton. What? Paul, you know. Paul threw, gave threw, bulletin board he, material? He threw Quinn's name out oh, as a trade. trade rumor. That's right. And... Quinn saw that. and Way no. to go, Paul. I'm kidding, Paul. We're just talking bulletin board stuff because everybody is these days.
4: You know, they should trade Krebs, Paterka, and Quinn, I think. <laughs> All in one massive deal. Nice job. That was a – oh, sorry. Uh, hey, good morning. It's Monday. We are talking plenty of football, obviously. Your thoughts on the Bengals-Chiefs game and from a Bills perspective, what you saw from that game, how it impacts your thoughts. Maybe you're feeling – Better or worse, who knows, about the Bills' loss after you watched the Bengals lose yesterday. So that's still on the table, and we have lines open. We'll get to get more of your calls at 803-0550. We wanted to talk to Paul as well. Sa- Paul's not going to be doing anything for like the next two weeks. The Sabres have one game now over the next 12 days uh, because of the All-Star break coming up and the bye week after that. But hey, they are right in the thick of things in the playoff race. Good morning, Mr. Hamilton, by the way. Welcome to the I show.
3: Have- A lot of NHL teams are already on bye week. They're yes. doing it before summer, the All-Star before break. yeah, right. Because there's only like two games today, two tomorrow, and two on Wednesday. Or there's not a lot of games, and a lot of teams are done now before the All Star break. So, quite a few of them are actually. So, uh, yeah, it's some teams are going to get bye weeks now, and some of them are going to get them, uh, you know, in a little bit, uh, and then some, a couple will get them after the All Star game.
4: That's okay. Sabers could use the break. You know, 13 games in 22 days, 15 games in 28 days. Now, you know, you'll get Samuelson back, you'll get Cousins back. So I think it does, it's an extended break, but I think it comes at a good time for them.
3: Yeah, we'll see if they play on Wednesday or not. Uh, You know, they had yesterday off and then that thing called practice. Yeah. (laughs) Something the Sabres have been very unfamiliar with. Um, Maybe... Maybe uh, they should just not practice for the rest of the year. Um, I don't know if they've practiced since, like, the ninth. You know, they they basically, the way they've been playing games, they get a day off and they don't go on the ice. And then they have a morning skate and they play. Yeah, And play pretty darn well. And the one thing that I really noticed through this whole streak is I never really sensed fatigue in their game. Mm -hmm. Even that last game against minnesota yeah they lost it in a shootout but they played really well i didn't think the same thing to myself "Uh oh they're out of gas you know a, a, at all i mean it just uh, and a lot of it was they didn't practice now the power play suffered from not practicing but uh they were still you know fresh and ready to go and skating well and and you know even with the four games last week they again they just they won they got 7 out of 8 points beat the top two teams in the western conference at the time and you know the fatigue never really factored into their game i thought so
4: how about the guy you want them trading the uh that play by Quinn, you know i i had to go back and watch it a couple times just to full i mean when he made the play live you could appreciate what you saw him do but i think you had you should go back and watch it again i needed to to have a full appreciation because He's part of the, the stopping of the clearing attempt to start the play. And then going, he goes down low, it's cut off, he circles, he comes back out, he, he curls inside the blue line, and is, puts himself in position to beat Marc-Andre Fleury in the slot. It was a really, from start to finish, to gain possession, to get into free space, and to finish the play was really a gorgeous play.
3: I thought Clegg had stepped up at the point and stopped that play, but he never got an assist. If he he did, he would have gotten an assist on the play. Right. But watching the replay and live action, I thought Clegg stepped up and stopped that that pass to get out of the zone and kept it in. And, you know, by keeping it in, it got the puck to Quinn. But as I said, he must not have Mm -hmm. because he he never wound up with an assist on the play. And it it was just – and the thing is, it's like the – the ocean opened. I mean, yeah. it's like, all right, come on down the slot if you want. It's just like this kid can shoot, right? You know that <laughs> he's got a great shot. Maybe not the guy you want to just let roll down the slot. And uh, certainly, uh, we, we got we got a chance to see that shot and uh, very very nice goal by Quinn.
4: You know, we've talked about a lot of. You know, the development of Thompson, the development of Darlene, the emergence of Cousins this season. But, you know, you look at his numbers. I just wanted to pull up his stats, Paul, because Quinn went through a stretch where he was a healthy scratch. And he's got 42 games. You know, not great numbers, but he does have 20 points in 42 games in his first full season. And a guy who was, again, couldn't stay in the lineup for one reason or another earlier this season.
3: Yeah, it was just – and he and Paterka have had their moments – they both got our highest hot streaks and got rolling. And now they're on a streak where they don't score much. That was Quinn's second goal in quite a few games. I, I haven't counted them recently. And Paterka hasn't scored in a while either. But yet, you know, that's the way what Don Granado believes in in player development. Yeah, they had to sit a couple of games every now and then. But uh, for the most part, they're in the lineup. They know they're going to in the lineup. And the reason recently they sat was because, you know, he felt that um, they're, they're, they were showing a little fatigue in their game as rookies. You know, this is a grind that they, you know, haven't been through on the National Hockey League level. They have on the American Hockey League. So, you know, he felt and he said that you see that very often in rookies. So he wanted to give him a couple of games, just uh, mental fatigue, physical fatigue, and... uh you know, brought him right back and put him in the lineup. But, you know, they don't have to sit and worry that, oh, no, I just made one mistake and I'm going to get pulled out of the lineup. That's going to be it. You know, they, you know that's he doesn't want to coach that way. He doesn't want young players to not to be not worry about, hey, I can go out there and play freely and I can go out there and play to my strengths. I got to worry about making one mistake, and if I make one mistake, I'm going to be in Rochester. Yeah, you know he doesn't want them to be thinking that way, and uh, I, you know I think it helps in player development.
4: Well, one of the stories as they, you know, started to play well, and they're you know we're getting deeper into the season. We're about to get into February, and they're still right there. In fact, they're one point out of a wild card spot. To me, I think one of the continuing stories is has been was whatever is how do they handle that pressure it's a young team how do they handle the pressure that can build as each game becomes more important to this point you tell me what you see from them because it doesn't appear like they're having any issues with that right now
3: no not at all i mean they're a good hockey team i think i you know i think we've seen enough this year that we can say you know they're a good hockey team and you know, the problem is, you know, they go on streaks. They go on winning streaks, and then they go on losing streaks. And they tend to have lengthy streaks on both. And, uh, you know, right now it's it's a winning streak. Points in seven straight games, 5-0-2. Yes, they just lost their five-game winning streak. But, as I said, they have points in seven straight games. Many of those games on the road against the best in the Western Conference. And, uh, you know, their road record is insane lately you know how well they've done on the road um is is just mind-boggling uh uh i can't remember if they're 12-2-1 or 13-2-1 they're recently on the road but either 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 one or no they would 12-2-2 two and two two. And two. yeah 12-2-2 two two two. going back yeah. to like
4: late november
3: see i gave them a win instead of a well <laughs> you're a homer you've always been,
4: been that way so that's yeah. standard for you
3: i mean it, that's crazy that's just crazy yeah. how good they've been on the road and how they just respond to playing in these atmospheres of, you know, the the, the crazier, the better. They love it. They just they just respond to that and they love it. And um, it's it just uh, it's it's, you know, for the fans of Buffalo, it's a great thing to watch. I mean, you uh, It's just a a complete total turnaround from what you've witnessed for the last 10 or 11 years.
4: With Paul, uh, the Sabres will play Carolina Wednesday night. The league goes into its All-Star break this weekend. And then out of the All-Star break, the Sabres have their bye week. So after Wednesday, they don't play again until February 11th, a Saturday afternoon game against uh, Calgary, or Calgary, since we are talking uh, hockey here. What did you <laughs> think of, I know it, it didn't go well in the shootout, You know, a little bit of a break against uh, UPL with the shot off the crossbar and off his back, but what do you think of his performance in regulation and overtime? I thought he did a nice job of, again, maybe coming up with some key saves when he
3: needed to. Absolutely. I, and the thing is, people were getting on him. It's like, with you people, come on. Yeah, yes, I know he didn't have a good shootout. All three guys scored. But did you happen to watch the two great saves he made in overtime? And he made three saves on Boldy. Boldy, could have had a hat trick yeah. in the third period alone. And he made phenomenal saves. I think Zuccarello walked in by himself, made a great save there. You know, just, you know, able to make the big save at the big time for his team, which is what he's been doing for them and uh you know he wasn't able to do it in the shootout he doesn't if you stop and think he doesn't get into shootouts all, all that often and the sabers don't get into shootouts all that often i mean it's 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 been a while since they've been in the shootout so he doesn't and they don't practice because of the schedule so it's not something where he can he can you know practice breakaways and those types of things and all right it didn't go well what should they send him back to Rod? I, I, back to rochester i mean the the way some people were talking they they should have just well you can't cut people but they want him to cut them anyway it's like relax i mean did you watch the game did you watch what he did during the game to get them to a shootout i mean uh you know talk about overreaction yeah i understand that they did score all three times in the shootout but uh hey you know what he's been part of a team that just you know, took points in in seven straight games and took seven out of eight points on the road.
4: Yeah, I think the point streak is like the longest in 10 or 11 years for this team, getting a point in seven straight games. I'm going to get to your calls in a moment. Paul, with us, 803-0550. All right, Paul, so... Uh, the one game against Carolina, and then it's, it's a nice break for the Sabres coming out of it. I think things will intensify around the league uh, with trade deadline and trade rumors as we approach that moment. I know you, you got into a little bit the other day, last week, you know, what the Sabres might do. If they are going to make a trade, what do you think would be, should be, the number one priority to add to this roster for Kevin Adams?
3: Well, they can use, they can. I mean, they're not to a point where they can't use a good forward like Timo Meyer. or they can't use a good defenseman like Chickren or, or somebody like that. And I agree with Kevin Adams. I don't think they're to the point yet where you want to get some 32-year-old guy that can help you this year and then can't help you in the future. I mean, he's looking for a player like a Meyer or, you know, you, you could even throw a Brock Besser in there who's not having the best year this year, but... A guy who's 24, 25, 26 probably at the most. If somebody were interested in Bertuzzi, you're talking 27? Well, we'll see. You know, that that would be the borderline right there. But somebody that not only can help you this year, but when you're really good and really competing for a championship, they're still going to be here helping you. And that's what he's looking for, and I don't disagree with that at all. Um, you know, there's no sense giving up a key asset just to make the playoffs. It's like, all right, what's the end game here? Do you, do you think they can win the Stanley Cup? You know, that's the type of trade you make when you think you can win the Stanley Cup that season. You know, so, you know, he's looking for somebody that, uh, you know, will, will fill that bill as far as being able to be here, be here in the future. And if you can find that guy, then maybe you're willing to give up an asset, a young asset um, and maybe a pick, you know, what, what would Timo Meyer cost? We already talked about that. You know, it's probably a high pick. It's probably one of the three first round picks that you just made this year, or maybe it's a guy like Jack Quinn, or maybe it's a guy like Paterka or or somebody like that, that, all right, you got to give up one guy like that and maybe a first round pick or a second round pick. No, you can sign the person. If it's in that type of a situation maybe Portillo you know or Johnson you know guys that you're not sure if you're going to be able to sign this year maybe you're you're talking deal with with a team that is interested in the rights to Portillo and they would have to find out on their end would Portillo be interested in signing you know once this season with the michigan's so you know they could be in play also for that type of a player uh, but that's that's the type of trade he's looking for and I don't disagree with that
5: all
4: right, Mr. Hamilton. Thank you. Always nice to chat with you, sir.
3: Yes, nice to chat with you after a, a fun football weekend. I, I have to admit to you very quickly, I don't think I give the Eagles enough credit because it's maybe just because I don't pay enough, enough attention to them. You know, we're always t- looking at the Chargers and watching the Bengals and watching, and I really haven't seen the Eagles all that much this year. But that's a good football team. I, I, I don't care who got in from the AFC. I think I still would have picked the Eagles.
4: They're, they're good. It's hard to judge yesterday because, let's face it, you, your boy Brock Purdy, the pride of Iowa State, once he got injured, it was just too easy to stop. San Francisco had nothing oh, yeah, offensively. Yeah, but if it was McCaffrey and nobody else.
3: Yeah, Philadelphia has a good defense, though. They do. I, I know. I, I, I,
4: but it was easy for them after that.
3: sure was. Yeah, but... Uh, Who knows Who knows what would have happened? We don't know, but I still think Philadelphia would have been able to handle San Francisco pretty well just because they're so good, and that's not a knock against San Francisco. I think they're a very good football team. Mm -hmm. Um, San Francisco healthy, I think I would have taken the NFC team, no matter which one it was, if if the quarterback was healthy. I mean, if they got through that game without a quarterback injury, uh, I think I would have taken either Philadelphia or San Francisco over Kansas City.
4: Yeah, I would assume, even though Mahomes, well, he'll have a couple of weeks without arrest rest his ankle, I would I, I would probably take Philadelphia. I know I think the boys here are taking Kansas City. It's like a two-and-a-half-point spread. I'll probably pick Philadelphia. But.
3: Oh, this is a banner day. I'm surprised you're not celebrating. Uh, I
4: just made a pick on your you know, Oh, my your God, show. that's right. You don't usually make predictions. I well, just good. made a pick on your show. We'll we'll uh, We'll keep this for the archives. Thank you, Mr. Hamilton. Take care, guys. All right, Paul. Paul's segment uh, brought to you by Equitable Advisors, Thinking About Today and Planning for Tomorrow, and by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. 803-0550 to join us this morning. We're getting connected with our fans all morning long. And uh, Scott in Rochester, thank you for holding on. You're on WGR, go right ahead.
6: Hey, thanks, guys, for taking my call. So... You know, let's, for argument's sake, say the Bills really revamp their roster. You know, they get some talent at offensive lineman, receiver. Um, are they expecting us to buy that this coaching staff is just going to get better somehow? Because from what I've seen the past three postseasons, they're regressing. And when it comes to, you know, for, everyone wants to talk about the regular season. Oh, they got 50% third down conversion rate. Uh, The numbers are – the offensive numbers are still top five. But when push comes to shove and it's crunch time, this coaching staff really crumbles. And I don't see how we're supposed to expect them come playoff time when all the talent is pretty much on par with each other and it comes down to coaching, that this coaching staff is going to beat the likes of Andy Reid, Zach Taylor. I just – I don't see it happening. And I don't see how they expect the fan base to, again, just – Accept another year of bad coach. I don't want to say bad coaching, but when it comes to crunch time, they're not up for the task. How are we supposed to accept that and think anything's going to be different next season?
2: Scott, do you mean just McDermott, or do you mean Dorsey and Frazier? Like, because you know they are all separate.
7: I mean,
6: I mean McDermott. I mean Dorsey. I mean Frazier. They're all really bad when it comes to like the big playoff game, the game. Like, they've went from the AFC Championship. Okay, so you lose that, no problem. Next year they lose in the divisional round horrifically with thirteen seconds. And then this year it's even worse and they get smoked and they Dorsey like is awful and they only put up ten points. Like I don't expect how they expect the fan base, anyone with, you know, eyes and logic to expect this coaching staff to do any better next year.
2: Well, I mean, Dorsey's not responsible for half the stuff you just mentioned, so he's different from McDermott. Frazier and McDermott are a bit more of a package deal because they work on the same side of the ball, and you know it all goes up to McDermott. I guess one thing I would say about all this is um, Andy Reid is in the Super Bowl. Yeah, like it's it's tough to make this point and say how's he gonna. I'm not even saying that you're wrong or that I think that McDermott's going to follow this path, but Andy Reid got fired by the. Eagles because he had one four and twelve season. They saw the opportunity to push him out the door after tons of success, but he couldn't get them over the top. Mm -hmm. And now he just goes to the Super Bowl all the time. Yeah.
4: I think Scott, thanks for the call. I I didn't think as much well I've thought about Dorsey. I think we've been talking about Dorsey all season and we knew that was gonna happen, right? I didn't think as much about the coaching staff until yesterday. Like I did I know the, the Bills got crushed by Cincinnati. The coaches had a bad day, the offense got dominated, the defense was dominated. We're talking about the GM and the GM has to prioritize making this offense better. There are a lot of things. Yesterday, honestly, the Kansas City staff, what they did against Cincinnati was fantastic. It made it made it honestly made me feel worse about the Bills coaching staff because the Chiefs did all the things the Bills couldn't do. Either couldn't figure out how to stop Or couldn't figure out how to execute and do. The Chiefs had answers all over the place yesterday. Now this just in, Andy Reid's a better coach than Sean McDermott. I don't think that's a big surprise for anybody. But that's that to me, and I'm not expecting any changes, but to me, that's the first time where I really thought, I don't like McDermott in the three playoff losses we've gone down. Yesterday was, oh Wow. So the Chiefs figured out how to expose the injury-depleted offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals. The Chiefs figured out how to get Joe Burrow to just hang on to the ball a little bit longer. The Chiefs figured out how to handle Mike Hilton's blitzes or the simulated blitzes, the pressure, all the things that this genius defensive coordinator for Cincinnati screws teams up. Well, the Chiefs had an answer. I mean, Mahomes had a pretty clean game yesterday. And uh, so that, honestly, is the first time where I thought, wow, that coaching staff won the game for them over Cincinnati, and the Bills coaching staff paled in comparison in their game against the Bengals. Having said that, I'm not expecting any changes. while well, they fired the safeties coach, I guess. I think Dorsey – sounds like Dorsey's coming back. And unless Leslie Frazier decides to not return, right? You said he's got – his contract is up? I, I, I'd seen that reported. Okay. Um, if for some reason he decides not to return – but
2: I would think – I don't know if he we should would be, back. be saying it enough. We've got to find out if okay. it's... But it has I'm, been. I'm not anticipating it has been reported.
4: either he, of the coordinators getting fired. I think they would be leaving. If they left, it would be on their accord. I don't think they would make any changes. What they, and, and in terms of what do they expect from the fans, I don't know what to tell you, Scott. I mean, it's up to you to decide. And if you think you're not going to think the Bills are a Super Bowl contender because of their staff, that's certainly within your right. You should have your doubts about Sean McDermott in the playoffs because you know what? He's not the same guy he is in the regular season. He becomes conservative against the Chiefs and against the Bengals. Not against the Patriots, who you can thump because you're a much better team, but against the top competition in the last three years in the conference playoffs. He coaches differently. And I don't have an answer for you, but you should be concerned about that. 803-0550 to join us this morning. We're getting connected with our fans. We're talking about the games yesterday. If you want to get into the Sabres, that's fine too. You had uh, a conversation with Paul about them. Grab a line and join us uh, this morning here on WGR.
2: I will definitely look at the makeup, you know, in this case, you were talking about offense of offense. And what did we do well? We ha- I mean, statistically we did a lot of good things this year, but yes, you know,
0: selling a little or a lot?
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: The other day, 10 points is not going to win many playoff games, most likely. You know, we know we got to score more than that. Brandon Bean. All right, I have a theory. You ready for this? Go ahead. Theory, I'm going to run by both of you and anybody else that wants a piece of it. We we spent last offseason too high on the Bills. And we're about to spend this offseason too low on them. Fair? Last offseason was should have won the Super Bowl, would have won the Super Bowl, oh my goodness. And they were just going to run it back. And everything they did was, sure, punter, that's fine. Special teams linebacker, okay. Did, Running back in the second round, yeah. corner, you need that. Everything was just going to supplement an already amazing team, and we were a little too high on them. Maybe that's Gabe hmm. Davis. Maybe that's, you know. Maybe it's a number of different things. Was that attitude, though,
7: created right after the season ended, or was yes. that when they signed Von Miller?
2: It was created as soon as they had a perfect game against the Patriots and then a near perfect game mm-hmm. against the Chiefs, oh, yeah. and we all felt like they were going to beat Cincinnati. Oh, they would have beat the Pants. They would have beat the Brakes off the Bengals, right? Yeah. That's what we all said. Well, yep. I knew
4: I, I knew they were going to beat the Bengals. Which, in hindsight, maybe they wouldn't. <laughs> maybe have. they wouldn't have. Right. But yeah, I, I was confident they were going to beat the Bengals. It was before Von Miller, Joe. But the Von Miller thing was like, Holy oh, cow. Forget now they are the Super Bowl favorite. Yep. Like the pre-Von Miller, it was, oh, they're going to they're going to be good enough. They're good enough. Boom, Super Bowl contender right away next season. Post-Von Miller was lock it in. Not even a debate anymore.
2: And then this off season, so I don't know. They're going to have Von Miller. He might not play. He's going to play like half the year. But this off season, it's a 13 win team. Yeah, that had a really bad day, and you know a lot of the conversation is about firing both coordinators and the coach is never going to win. They need a uh, brand new offensive line and defensive line, and what about Tremaine and receiver one and two? And yeah. you know, I'm not saying that those changes aren't necessary. They are. I just think that as compared to last off season, it feels like we're going to spend the whole year a little low on them. It's going to sound like they were a nine win team on this station for the next five months.
4: Because it feels... Okay, I can speak for me, obviously, and not everybody else. Because it feels to me like this season was a step back and they're now behind two other teams in the conference. We ended last... I ended last season thinking, should have beat Kansas City. So they are now... They're the number one team, not the Chiefs. The Bills are the number one team in the AFC because they should have beat Kansas City and I was convinced they would have beat Cincinnati. Now we're sitting here going... Okay, they're the third team in the AFC. Kansas City traded Tyreek Hill, and lo and behold, they're still in the Super Bowl. And Cincinnati beat the Bills pretty good. So for me, do I think they could still be a contender next year? Yeah. But I, I go from one to three in the AFC right now. I will also tell you that yesterday's game doesn't make me feel any better about the Bills coaching staff going forward because... Kansas City knew what they were doing.
2: You say definitely third. They're still co-favorites to win the Super Bowl next year, which I don't want to get into. Yeah, too I wouldn't.
4: I is n- there, is I there, need
2: to see what they do in the offseason to make the offense better. Is there any chance they could be fourth by the time the year starts in your mind? Maybe? What, what would that what would that be? It would have to be, would be I would think Rodgers with the Jets. Jets
4: in Miami and Miami too. I I want I need to know what Miami's doing at quarterback cuz the dude is still in concussion protocol.
7: Or if Lamar goes to one of those teams. Yeah, if he's I think. Traded. It, I
4: think it's Miami or the Jets. Although I think the Jets have a, a better defense than Miami does. Miami and the Jets quarterback. I need to know what they're doing. I don't think I would jump the Chargers up. I don't think I would jump the Jaguars up. Um, I mean, if Baltimore trades gets rid of Lamar Jackson, I think the Ravens are dead in the water. If there's nobody else in the in the conference. Where, could Brady no. go to Vegas, right? There's nobody else in the conference. It's got to be what Miami and New York do at quarterback. <laughs> if the
7: Chargers hire Kellen Moore? Uh, I would love that for them. I think the only way I'd put them to fourth is if the Jets got Lamar Jackson. That is the only outcome for me. Like Even, even if Miami did that, if he got traded in conference to the Dolphins, maybe, maybe I'd have to do the same thing with the Dolphins.
2: If they get Lamar to be a part of that offense and add Vic Fangio, it's two pretty yeah. nice, pretty nice signings.
4: Well, I think if you're if you're the Dolphins, if they get Fangio, I know we always talk about the players and the roster, but I think they addressed one of their top offseason priorities. What the hell happened to our defense last year, guys? Well, it wasn't good enough, and I do think there's a level of talent that didn't play at whatever level it should have been playing at last season. The Dolphins just addressed a big problem. They said we need to be better with the guy who's running our defense, and they addressed it with Vic Fangio. So credit to them. I would I would say the Bills would be third. I doubt I would drop them to fourth, Jeremy. But, again, I have to see what the Bills do to address the offense and what do the Jets and the Dolphins do for quarterback, assuming Miami does something beyond. We're bringing back Tua and Teddy Bridgewater and we'll be okay. 803, and we'll talk more about the Jets coming up at the top of the hour with Brian Costello from the New York Post, who just did a piece recently about options for the Jets and who they should try and get at quarterback to uh, fix that offense. 803 to join us. Uh, we get connected with our fans. Jimmy in Miami, you're on WGR. Go right ahead.
5: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I'm not going to talk about the uh, receiving core so much because you guys have been saying it, uh, gosh, uh, in the beginning of the year, right before the draft, that Josh Allen needed that help, needed those extra weapons. And um, I mean, all you got to do is look at the four teams that were in the final four and, and and look at those receivers on every one of those teams i mean i and i love Gabe davis i think he's a great number three but he'd probably be the fourth receiver on any of those four teams and maybe mckenzie is a practice squad guy uh and and i and I, or maybe runs back kicks or something but the my question is um i think we really need to to do another big swing like we did with mm-hmm. Diggs in this next upcoming draft. And, and it, Bean needs to really uh, do something and step up, maybe trade away a first-round pick to get one of these kids like this kid, uh, Quentin um, Tompkins out of um, – uh, Quentin Johnston, I think his name is. Quentin Johnston out of TCU. He's six foot four uh, with blazing speed. Uh, he's probably going to go first in the draft, maybe around the 9th or 10th pick and then USC's got this kid, Jordan Addison, out of U, out of USC. And uh, he's probably going to go second. But he, Beans are going to probably have to trade up to get to that ninth or 10th or 11th pick. Well, whoever's there, I think Carolina and maybe the Patriots, and do something like that. And and for God's sakes, don't take a punter in round six. I mean, who takes punters nowadays in the draft? I think there are one or two teams that do, but we already had a punter. And then, you know, you're calling a few guys at camp and and try them out, let them punt. But why waste a punter in round six? I mean, uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. But I'll hang up and let you guys talk, but I just was interested in what you thought about uh, about being taking another big swing in the draft and moving up because I think if we get one of these weapons like this kid Quentin Johnston uh six foot four i mean it's like at Higgins with blazing speed I mean, well it the time a
2: huge i I might say the time to trade up was on Josh's rookie contract, and now is not the time to do that if, if some wouldn't even like to trade up ever, but here, let me make the case. You want to trade up. Okay, so instead of drafting 27th, mm-hmm. you draft 9th, and it costs you, what, your second, second rounder? And something else? Your third rounder? I assume it's got to be something I'd rather take a receiver much closer to where you are and yeah. also have a guard I can add in the second or third round. Get Mitch Morse's replacement at center, a guard that can play center and guard. Like, they're going to need bodies, and now that everybody's contract goes up, that's digs and Allen account for 32 more million this yeah. year than last year than this year we just had. And they can restructure and they can get they can get cap space for sure, but now's the time where the draft picks are much more needed to fill out your roster and to have scratch-off tickets that maybe you can find your starting guard or your starting mm-hmm. I mean Spencer Brown's a third round draft pick that started at right tackle and okay, he got through a couple years. Maybe next time the third round pick you take with the right—that's the right tackle—is, you know, just lock it in.
7: I and, think, and honestly, I think it's even more than that because the Saints have done this twice in the last five years, where they moved up in the first round for yeah. non-quarterbacks, Marcus Davenport, and then this past year Olave, and they had to spend a future first each time to move up. It's funny like they don't they, have and their they first that, this year,
4: and that's a team that in recent years, right? Haven't they been over the cap every year for a while, and they're constantly yep. playing with the books and doing everything. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm a, honestly, I would be, I would be aggressive. If he wants to move up for a wide receiver, I'm fine, but that's because I'm frustrated. But Jeremy's thinking with a clear head. There are a lot of things happening in the next two off seasons for this team. And they don't have a ton of cap space this off season. And they have to figure out, are they re-signing Edmonds? If they're not re-signing Edmonds, guess what? Linebacker becomes a priority in the draft. Um, After next season, Gabe Davis is a free agent. Micah Hyde is a free agent. Uh, Ed Oliver is going to be a free agent. This team loves building up the defensive and offensive lines. So if I had to guess, I don't think Brandon Bean would be aggressive because he doesn't want to give up future assets in terms of draft picks because they're tight against the cap, because they could have a few big holes over the next two years since they can't re-sign everybody. You You know, if Poyer's not back, they need safety help. Um, We mentioned Edmonds. Um, Geez, I'm trying to think. Well, no, they're not going to. I mean, whatever. They have two running backs. Even if they draft a running back, you can just go take a guy in round three somewhere. Instead of taking the punter in the sixth round, draft a running back in the sixth round.
7: Put it this way. Last year at this time, why were we so confident? The only position you really felt that concerned about was cornerback two.
4: Well, now there's multiple positions.
7: Now, how, how many positions could you be concerned about for next season? Safety? Middle linebacker, right tackle, right guard go- or
4: left guard. I'm sorry, yeah, guard. Wide okay, receiver
7: two, yeah. defensive line depth. Like there's five, six things I feel like you could be concerned about.
4: And if they want to use tight end sets, you you know, an upgrade at number two tight end. So yeah, I I think he's since they're kind of cap strapped, I don't think what have they got, seven picks? I don't think he's going to play with a draft pick as an asset because they're going to need to replenish the roster with young guys for the next two off-seasons. I don't you know, I don't think they'll be a player in free agency for a little while, and they probably won't be able to re-sign some of the guys of their own that they'd like to because I'm just not sure how they make everything fit. But, but that and older guys too, right? Again, I don't think is going to be back. I think Micah Hyde next season is playing his last season as a bill. So in back-to-back years, you're going to be having to replace the safety. You know? I don't think it's Jaquan Johnson. Maybe one of them is DeMar Hamlin. I mean, they were talking about maybe moving Benford to safety. So they have to replenish that spot. At this point, if Gabe Davis is a free agent after this coming season, what's he going to get on the market? I don't see the Bills handing Gabe Davis a big contract.
2: He'll get... What's he gonna get? Fifteen million.
4: I, I mean, I wouldn't do that right now. I'm disappointed in how things went for him. I'm not giving him fifteen maybe, maybe million dollars. Right? Okay, but a- MVS
2: just got ten.
4: Once you get to yeah. ten and With above, Chiefs, 10. That's, that's a big number for a guy that we that I'm sitting here thinking about they need to get another receiver to get ahead of Gabe Davis on the guy, you're gonna pay Gabe Davis to be like the third best wide receiver ten million dollars? So that's a spot that's gonna open up and you're gonna need multiple guys to replace. You know, McKenzie's going in the final year of his deal. They, they have a lot of things over the next two off seasons, handful of spots that are going to be open, starting spots, that they have to be mindful of. And I don't think they're going to be able to replace them all in free agency. 803, 0550. Boy, this is depressing. Now I'm getting myself depressed.
2: Like that's how I started this segment. I said, <laughs> we're prob- we're, why? I just acknowledged yeah, I know. we're probably going to spend the whole offseason too low on them. Yeah. Talking about them like they're a t- like a nine win team. Yeah, they won thirteen games, fourteen if you include the playoffs. Stat of the day that wasn't a real stat yesterday. It was the first time in NFL history the conference championship game, both of them featured two teams with fourteen wins or more. Hmm.
4: Well, that'll yeah, happen game when A yeah.
2: you add a seventeenth game and B the two seed has to play an additional game. Also, San Francisco. In years past, that would have been a bye. Yeah, San Francisco has to That's play right. in the first round. So. Yeah. It looked good, but it wasn't like, yeah, you, you made more games for all these teams to play. Except for the one-seeds. Who, by the way? Both, both one-seeds. Yeah. Both one-seeds. Yeah. How many years would it have to take to have the one-seeds advancing at some sort of rate before the NFL thought it's too big of an advantage? Here's one Man. other stat on the one-seeds. So How had, often
4: does it, has it happened in recent years? Well, they just, no, they just they, changed they the format. Change the format. Yeah, right.
2: So give it 10 years, if mm-hmm. the number of one-seeds go, going to the Super Bowl doubles over that period of time, you might want to see a change. There's a stat. Rick Gosselin had this. The Niners were penalized 11 times for 81 yards in the NFC Championship game, which is the most penalties called in the postseason. The Niners. Yeah. Second most penalty penalized team this postseason was Cincinnati yesterday. (laughs) So the two home teams got more calls. I mentioned to you, first downs by penalty, uh, penalty differential, both home teams were a plus 7 in the conference yeah. championship game. It doesn't mean that they're wrong calls. No. It just means I, that there tends to be a, a bias a, a lean towards home teams. Yeah. And that, you know, you have a crowd on your side, maybe that's because false starts and you know the Niners were having the same problems that Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins were here where the you're not really running their offense regularly so things yeah. are going south. Anyway, both one seeds
4: to join us, WGR.
5: The top contenders for the Stanley Cup this year don't have much cap space. And you got to consider, you got to keep Eric Carlson in the fold for four years beyond this. Cap it is $11.5 million. So what is the willingness of the San Jose Sharks to take on a considerable portion of that, whether it be 20, 30, 40% of that? And I point to the Buffalo Sabres. Tons of cap space, Tons of young prospects. The Buffalo Sabers could set themselves up significantly with the addition of Eric Carlson. This is not just a contending team in the years to come; they're a multi Stanley Cup contending team. But you look at Eric Carlson coming into a team like the Buffalo Sabers. I say, wow! Is that is he going to be with Timo Meyer,
4: or is that uh, that's separate from Timo Meyer? Got left on his contract.
2: we are taking like what? what? What can you take? Up to wow. half? Half. Uh, four years, $11.5 million. Dollars
7: one, after two, the three, season.
4: four. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, Joe. I was just doing the math. Thank you for telling me. Can I get Timo Meyer instead?
2: I mean, that's going to be big, huge money, too.
4: Yeah. He's younger, though, right? A lot younger. He's like six years younger. I'd vote for him instead of Eric Carlson.
7: You would have arguably the best and the second best defenseman in hockey, though. Just saying.
2: Carlson's still up there.
7: He's going to win the Norris this year. Carlson, is he? Yeah, he's the favorite right now. Really? Yeah, he's got he's on pace for like a hundred points.
4: Okay. Hmm. I'd like them to add a defenseman. I just didn't think it would be him. Um, it's a big contract. I'd, I'd rather not. Have him. I'd rather have Timo Meyer as long as we're making a trade with San Jose. Yeah, he has. I'm going to give up more, but I'm getting a younger guy.
7: 66 points in 51 games this year. So That's he's not have, bad. He's having a resurgent year, but yeah, he's old. Older, 32.
2: Yeah. He's looking at his expected goal share when on the ice, all that kind of stuff. Meyer's good there too. Carlson, he's like yeah. Like
7: 26
4: or 27. Yeah, Meyer, and he's but he's going to need a new contract, right? Yes, he's a RFA. So you're going to have to figure out a big long-term deal for him at some point if you made that trade. But I like getting the younger guy with you know more upside than Carlson. I don't know Carlson was a Norris Trophy guy this year. Okay, I kind of forgot about San Jose because they're not really a factor this year.
2: That'd be quite a swing if the Sabres Whew, did that. That'd
4: be a big move for them. There's your. That's a really great top four defense group. Um Eh, we should probably take a break. We're late. Eight oh three oh five fifty to join us. and getting your calls in on the Bills. I don't know. I keep saying the Bills played yesterday. They didn't. I'm sorry. Felt like they did. I keep thinking the Bills played <laughs> yesterday.
2: Yeah, I'm really sorry. Well, one thing that if I say yesterday it.
4: Yesterday was a lot less stressful with the Bills not playing, by yeah. the way.
2: If I say it like this, it might sting Ugh. a little bit. But, hey, the whole narrative of that result in Arrowhead last year was a fluke and we need to undo that. The Chief, mm. The Chiefs just did that. Yeah. The result last year was a fluke. We shouldn't have lost the Cincinnati. They're were, they were blowing out the Bengals last year. Yeah. And at halftime, yeah. Right. Lost the game. They also, by the way, that game went to overtime and the Chiefs got the ball first and didn't score.
4: I thought the Bengals were going to win that game yesterday. I mean Me before too. it
2: started. I was convinced Me
4: too. Mahomes wouldn't be the same guy. The Bengals are going to have come up with a great scheme. Burrow is playing out of his mind. I thought for sure. Cincinnati was going to win that game I, yesterday and the Chiefs coaches did a great job.
2: I thought they were going to win it right up until the final drive when they yeah. had to punt to Sky Moore. But when they they had the ball there, even even when it was 6-nothing, I mean, Kansas City should have had
4: two touchdowns. They're dominating the first quarter. Tony drops a touchdown and then Pacheco's run is wiped out by a penalty and it's 6-nothing. You know, at halftime you're looking at the Bengals going, "Oh my god, you couldn't play much worse than you did in the first half." And it's right there for you. I I thought they were going to win before the game. I thought they were going to win during the
2: game. That grounding call was big. Yeah. Did they call that grounding on Mahomes? Why do they
4: call that grounding?
2: I mean, Mixon was in the area, right? What is it, the ball doesn't get back to the line of scrimmage? I think it was P. Ryan, but yeah.
4: P. Ryan, I'm sorry. There was definitely a guy within the area of the I thought that was a stupid call, too. I think that's another one of those NFL penalties. You have no idea from crew to crew how they're going to call
2: that. It often seems like intentional grounding is hard to get called on you. Really hard. Yeah. And it usually takes a huddle afterwards. Yeah, guys. I mean, they should change the name of the the penalty because guys intentionally throw the ball away all the time and ground it all the time. Happened yesterday.
4: Both quarterbacks did it when the play is dead. You throw it into the
2: ground. That's not intentional grounding.
4: We got to get to a break. We got a phone lines open to join us. We're also going to talk about the Jets. They have their new offensive coordinator. What are they doing at quarterback? That's on the way next on WGR.